We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, Lakers fell to the Dallas Mavericks 127 to 125. They were pretty close to start the game, first few minutes of the game. AD picked up his second foul with about six minutes left in the first and subbed out a good deal earlier than he normally does. And they kept it close for most of that quarter. And then Dallas went on a scoring run to end the quarter. So it was 34-26, I believe, at the end of the first. And then they had 37 points in the second quarter, Dallas did, as Tim Hardaway Jr. uh, hit several threes, uh, Dante Exum and Grant Williams, all three of them made their shots throughout the game, although the Lakers contributed to that. We may talk about that uh, in a bit. And Lakers were down 10 at halftime, 71 to 61. Then Lakers have an excellent third quarter that bleeds into the fourth quarter as well. Uh, defended very well, shot the ball well, shot out to Torian Prince, who played a good game and is shooting the ball really well. Took a bit of a lead. And then about six, seven minutes left in the game, it went back to Lakers not being able to get a stop. And Lakers end up losing 127-125. So, D, it was our first game since the in-season tournament. I think we expected a little bit of a an energy letdown. And I think there was that in the first quarter, but I wouldn't say that that was necessarily the reason that the game was lost. I thought they fought back, and that was kind of the sentiment in the locker room afterward. But what were your thoughts on uh, last night's game against Dallas? Yeah, I think your framing of everything is absolutely spot on. While I think... AD's foul trouble was pretty much mitigated by what you said, like the Lakers sort of hanging in there. I do think that the throwing off of the first half rotation did like impact the tenor of the game. Mm -hmm. From a big picture perspective, I thought this is where coaching this team is hard. When you have this much depth and potential replacements but never quite sure when to pull the lever to go in a different direction rather than giving the guy who you've been going to an additional shift to get it back. Yeah, there are several guys that are totally viable options in the rotation, but aren't like, write this guy in pen, he's guaranteed to give you this level of contribution every night. And that can be tricky. Exactly. And then I also thought, from a big picture perspective, 
Jared Vanderbilt came to this game as questionable, mm-hmm. and he was essentially a game-time decision, and he ended up not playing. And while Dallas was shorthanded, and they played the night before, and Luka played an insane minute load the night before as well. I think he was listed at 44 minutes. Mm-hmm. It might have been closer to 33, but the official box score said 44. He plays 44 minutes against the Lakers again, but... Vando's the one guy that could potentially like speed Luca up or Mm. give him potential physical challenges that are trickier to deal with. Before the game, Pete, we were talking about like, hey, pick him up full court and try to pressure him and blitz him at the point of attack potentially. But it ended up being that he was just too physical for like Cam and mm -hmm, Prince Prince and mm -hmm. he was too big really for like AD to disrupt him as much as like they disrupted Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Another big picture point is like, I thought the Lakers best players competed. And I thought that it was sort of the role players, a couple of the secondary guys who weren't quite on their game to the level that you would have hoped. And while that letdown that Pete mentioned that we might expect or thought was coming didn't exactly come. It did come from a few guys, I thought. And I definitely think that that contributed to the loss because they were playing from behind basically the whole game. And while they got the lead at one point, Dallas was mostly in control with the way that they managed their shot making, basically. I've seen so many of these games on the road where the game is just kind of hanging around, uh, you know, while while the other team is giving you a pretty good punch. And then the Lakers make their push in the third quarter. Uh, Anthony Davis closes it out with a three pointer and, you know, they're feeling good going into the fourth. Like, yes, this wasn't the best overall effort, but you know, now we're the better team and here's, here's what's going to happen. And you're going to going to go ahead and get a win. And Dante Exum hit five of seven threes in the fourth quarter. And that's it. You know, that's the game. There are some other things in there, like four fourth quarter turnovers. Dallas had zero. Um, certainly Luca is the reason um, that Exum was getting these looks, but I think they actually pulled their coverage the which originally was, you know, let Exum shoot because he's a 28% three point shooter. And he had made eight total threes up to that point in the season, uh, albeit in some limited minutes. And they adjusted that. And there were a couple of players that made mistakes uh, on, uh, on closeouts that like on helping too much off of him once they had already pulled that. Uh, Rui did it one time and that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that loses you a game. Um, ultimately when a guy is hitting to that extent. So it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow uh, when a guy has a game like that, but that that's also just what happens uh, sometimes. So, um, there were, there were certainly other things throughout the course of the game, but I thought they played well enough to win, um, with the exception of. A player or two, uh, I thought, contributed to that in a negative way, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But overall, I, I you know, it's it's a regular season game, so I don't know if you call it the Dante Exum game, but basically, in the way that the Lakers are going to remember it, that's that's to me what happened. It's just that Luca gets a certain percentage of that because he's so difficult uh, to deal with. That uh, you know, that if not Exum, then it, it may have been somebody else because Luca's going to put somebody in that position to do that's it. That's right. Yeah, Luca is the root cause, the reasons wh- reason why that those are. I call those game plan threes mike because it's like if this guy gets the ball 
you have different levels of closeouts. I was at a coaching clinic one time with Craig McDermott, who is the coach of Creighton, Doug McDermott's dad, and he would talk about the three different styles of closeouts. And he called one the Rondo closeout, where you don't care about them at all. You call the most extreme one the Corver closeout, where it's like you chase that guy off the line no matter what. If he puts the ball on the deck, let him go to the basket. And then the most difficult one was the Kobe closeout that he called it, where it was like this guy can do either one of those things. And he kind of got to respect both of those. And so we were giving Exum, and this is a fairly common thing that we do, uh, a Rondo type closeout, right? Where you you pull up short and you get a hand up, but you basically let them do that. One of the things that you can do with that though, I think is take that too far. And so there was a certain amount of like lamentation amongst us in the, in the thread last night of like, you know, guys are hitting their shots, but this is a really good team in their home gym where with Luca, he always draws a second defender. And so there was a possession in the second quarter that really stood out to me where he had the ball and we'd played a pretty good defensive possession and he was ISOed on Prince and the shot clock was running out and the player next to him, I, I think it was Exum on, on this one uh, and Dilo was guarding him. And the way that we were handling those ISOs is having the guy that's one pass away help a little bit off more off of his guy and shading toward Luca. And one of the things that can happen in this type of situation is if, and so Dilo was the guy that was guarding Exum. And what can happen is Luca, you know, passes the ball over to Exum. And in order to play this style, you really have to bust your ass to that closeout, even if it's a 28% three point shooter, because you're already cheating off of him. And so, Yes, you want to you want that guy to end up taking the shot, but you don't want him having all the time in the world. These are NBA players, D. And that's something where when we're bad at this style of like, oh, just let him shoot, we will let guys that are low, low 30s, high 20s type of shooters have so much time that I actually think their percentage becomes a lot better. And then they get in a rhythm. And then all of a sudden, once you start actually closing out to them a little bit better, they're feeling good, right? They're attacking closeouts and getting to the rim. And so this is something that, yes, they shot well, but I think that we really contributed to it. I think that Exum's a tricky case too, just because he is not known as a shooter. Mike cited his his numbers. He basically doubled his three-point output for the season in a single game, and he wasn't shooting a very high percentage coming in to this game either. Exum, historically, as an NBA player, also is not a good shooter. The game plan on him is such. Exum, though, has been out of the league for a little while, and he had been in Europe for, I think, at least a couple of seasons. Exum had found his way out of the league just because he had been an injured player a bunch, but he was drafted number five overall, I believe, by the Utah Jazz back in the day in this string of vaunted point guard classes where only like one of the like seven or eight supposedly great point guards Mm -hmm. panned out. Exum's back, though. And one of the reasons why he is back is because his defensive potential that was always there remained high in Europe, but he found his offense in Europe. And he was like a 20 point per game scorer in Europe. And it was kind of like, hey, why don't we maybe bring this high lottery pick back and see if he sticks back in the NBA? And so, yes, he hadn't been playing that well for the Mavs in a deep guard rotation, but they've got a bunch of guys out. Like one of the things we didn't mention is that Kyrie didn't play. Right. And Tim Hardaway Jr. was questionable. Josh Green 
was listed as out coming in to this game. So Exum came into this game knowing not only am I going to start, I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain amount of freedom that comes with that. Stu talks about this a lot, that yeah, when your rotation is whittled down and all these guys know that they're going to get run tonight, they go out there and they play free and loose. That is like exponentially more the case when you're at home and there are all of these circumstances, right? And so, yes, the Lakers contributed to that feeling and Exum got hot and he started to feel it. And once a guy gets hot, every NBA player, every NBA player Mm -hmm. has had this feeling in their life hundreds of times honestly on the way to you're like a six or seven year NBA pro where you're just like no one can stop me that's how that's how they got to the NBA Mm -hmm. in the first place go look up a Kevon Looney mixtape sometime from when he was in high school and you're gonna be like (laughs) wait this dude right yes that That was Kevon Looney yes And so Exum got hot, yes. The play that you talked about, though, Pete, I think that this is a good pivot point to start to move to a different part of of the discussion because I don't want to be overly negative, but I do have some negativity to share. So let's go to break here. And when we come back, I want to hit on a couple of topics. So one of my goals right now is to eat better. But in the thick of the NBA season, that can be hard to do. So I recently signed up for Factor, which is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. And so if you're too busy with holiday plans to cook, but you want to make sure you're eating well, with Factor, you can skip that extra trip to the grocery store and chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Choose from 35-plus weekly, flavor-packed, fresh and never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 and use code LakerFilm50, all one word, to get 50% off. That's code LakerFilm50 at factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 to get 50% off. One of the things that stood out to me last night was the play that you described, Pete, was not just an effort play. It was like a locked-in play by D'Angelo Russell. And it was a late clock play. And so the play at that point actually isn't for Russell to help. That's right. The play at that point is for him to push out because you want Luka to basically play with the ball there and isolate and actually try to drive or have to rely on a step back against Prince. What you don't want is to give him an out. Yep. Right? Three, like everyone's chanting, three, two, one. All the coaches say that when the clock is running down in case the player with the ball doesn't recognize the clock. And so D'Lo... Who's a point guard who has to do this on the other end as well, right? Yeah. Yes, in my opinion, inexplicably decides, oh, well, there's Luca again, not knowing like time or game situation. And he just sort of lackadaisically goes into a help position where he's not even really helping and then doesn't close out at all. It's basically the worst of both worlds. And I thought last night was a particularly poor D'Lo Knight in terms of his mental engagement and in terms of his physical execution mm-hmm. of the game. He had a couple shots in the third quarter when, when the Lakers made their push, and I was appreciative of that. He started to find his groove a little bit. But 
again, I don't want to rag too much on D'Lo, but this was not only a D'Lo thing, it was a Jackson Hayes thing, it was a Rui thing to a certain extent where they were not as locked in as I thought they would have needed to be, particularly with the example that LeBron, AD, and Austin and Prince were setting on the opposite end of the spectrum. And so what say you about that contrast between some of the guys on the team? And do you see that as problematic in the big picture or just like a one-off for like a single regular season game? It's a long season, yada, yada, yada. Well, this is one of those times where ultimately I thought it evened out uh, where like certain guys, you mentioned Prince, uh, Prince hit five of six threes, Uh, you know, like that's, that's, above what you're going to expect from him. Anthony Davis hit 15 of 21 shots, um, including several jump shots, which he has not hit all season. Uh, LeBron ended up taking 27 shots, but made a bunch of tough ones. You know, they the free throw misses from AD, I, I know he was frustrated about. He missed four. Um, that certainly ended up having an impact. And then, like, Austin came in. He had four threes. Like, they're... So I thought that some of the guys that played poorly, this is taking out the focus element, which which is fair. Uh, and, I, you know, I wouldn't defend. Uh, and I thought that like Rui, for example, is clearly struggling with the mask and just adjusting. And I thought that this is a, an aside. You remember that alley-oop that Austin tried to throw yeah. in that was like three-quarter court? Yeah. And that I think that type of thing keeps that run going in the fourth quarter. Instead, Dallas gets a three on the other end, you know, and just little stuff like that to me on top of the X and threes was really why they lost the game. There's almost always going to be a player that struggles or a player that doesn't doesn't have proper focus. I thought the Lakers had enough guys uh, that were locked in and that played well um, to kind of go back to my earlier point. But I'm not disputing what you said at all, um, Darius, that those things certainly did make an impact. I think in, in Delo's case, he's a guy that when he's not locked in, it's especially harmful. Like one of the things that Darwin talked about, and delo has been great in terms of turnovers this year. His assist to turnover ratio has been very good. And he wasn't the only culprit in this respect. But in a game like that, where one of the things that Darvin cited was like, we were kicking the ball around the gym via turnovers, and we were putting them on the free throw line too much, at least to start the game. Dallas shot 12 free throws in the first quarter. And I think that is more where like what Darius is saying is really, really resonates with me. There was one play in the third quarter run where you could actually hear LeBron on TV. We were on defense, and it was a, a missed shot and D'Lo didn't drop down to like sandwich rebound, which was something that happened late in the game too. Not just with D'Lo, there was a play with LeBron and Prince, right? So this is a team-wide problem, but, uh, and you could hear LeBron like, D'Lo, D'Lo, like through the TV, you could hear him like calling him out, like, we need you, you know, in this, in to, to do your thing in this type of uh, environment. And so that to me, with, with D'Lo, it's more, it's more though that, his offense fluctuates as much as it does that I think is more of a long-term conversation outside of just hmm. this Dallas game that I don't necessarily want to get into too much there, but that is something D totally. that he's at, we're at as a, from a shot creator standpoint, we're like right on that razor's edge of being too deficient. And sometimes we yeah. are, and we did not lose last night's game because of our offense. We lost because of our defense and because Luca's incredible. Right. But, uh, but the offensive baseline is part of what concerns me is because when he's in that sort of like drifting, he, he doesn't, a lot of guys that are like that, he's not the only guy like that plays defense like that or has defensive possessions like that. But a lot of those type of guys, you can rely on them as a, for a certain baseline offensively that I don't think he hit in last night's game. I know he hit, he hit a couple buckets in that third quarter run, but it just, it bleeds into other parts of his game where I just think that like locked in nature with him in particular 
at other spots, there are other guys we can go to, or at least more of them. With him, it's a, it's a little tougher. It's an interesting thing because in my mind, I've been watching D'Lo play and the things he does well and when he and not even when he's on his game, but just when he's like an average D'Lo game, like the things that he's doing well and the way that he contributes are so important and so valuable right. to to this team that it's hard to see a successful version of this team without someone doing those things. Mm-hmm. And he's like the only other guy besides LeBron that can consistently pass the ball the way that he does or can consistently get AD the ball the way that he does. I think I was just particularly frustrated with D'Lo last night based off of just some of the like, oh, you're not mentally in this game. Mm-hmm. He had like a post entry to AD where he like threw, it out of bounds, threw yeah. the ball like three feet to the left of where AD's post hand was. And it's like, you threw that out of bounds. It was just a like, oh, you're not in it this game. And when that's the case, then you do have to rely more on Austin and and LeBron and AD and even Prince. And those guys answered the call. To Mike's point, Like it did sort of all even out, but in a game where you lose by two and it should have been like five, LeBron hit a last second three that didn't impact the game at all. But in a game that's hanging in the balance, one of those performances can tip the game. And Dallas got multiple of those from their role players in order to make it so that way. I guess I just really wanted the Lakers to continue to build on their momentum. And now they go into a game tonight against the Spurs where it's just like multiple guys are banged up and Darvin sort of just like we got to play it by ear when it comes to like several players who are a little bit hurt. And so why don't we go to break here? And on the other end of this, Mike, I kind of want to get an update from you on what you were hearing from Darvin and get some thoughts going into this first game against the Spurs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Garrett, you referenced the uncertain nature of certain guys entering this game and that's exactly where things remain uh, that's that's how the injury status is sort of works throughout the season not just for the lakers but league-wide starting with lebron and ad they have been playing in all of these games uh, so far i think there's the inclination to look at well it's a back-to-back again and well guess what lebron and AD did in all the previous back-to-backs they played and so i'm Operating under that premise uh, until that changes and until one of them hits the point 
and whether that's LeBron in year 21 or if AD's uh, the hip area ends up you know bothering him to a certain degree. But for now, uh, that's the that's the premise that I'm accepting um, as they go in, and we'll see if that changes. Vanderbilt certainly much less certain like he didn't play he, he wasn't moving particularly well just walking around in street clothes um, in the arena and I I know that he kind of pushed through things to play in the in-season tournament and I'm not sure you know we didn't speak to him we didn't get a specific update from Darvin Ham so there's nothing new on that but I wouldn't be I wouldn't expect that he would play um, you know pending something that uh, that we don't know about um, at the time of us recording this and because if he were good enough to play, you know, the game that you really need a man is against Dallas and Luca, mm-hmm. uh, and not that you don't need him in every game. Pete, you've texted the thread a couple of times about, and, and other players have mentioned this. Well, what's the Lakers' defense has been better lately, and guys have been like, well, yeah, Vanderbilt's back, and that helps. And they're right. Uh, that's that's been something that's been very clear. I think that the Spurs, we all know, have been on a. Epic losing streak, uh, only matched by or outpaced by the Detroit Pistons. Unbelievable. I've never seen um, this. Three teams, them, those two in the Wizards, man, they're like, what, one for 51 in their last, like, whatever games? It's unbelievable. Yeah. The, so the Wizards are three and 19, uh, and their one win out of their last, I don't even know how many games, is against Detroit. Right. And so <laughs> Detroit is two and 21. They've lost 20 in a row. And then there's the Spurs who are three and 19 and lost 17 in a row. And I, the Spurs have been to just move over to them uh, because, you know, moving past the topic of which Lakers are going to play when, uh, when we're essentially just guessing, but that's my guess uh, that, that it's the same as last night. It's, <laughs> they are tricking off sort of the season in a way by, by thinking long-term in the way of let's remove all of the pressure from Wembenyama by not even really attempting to put lineups on the court or do or do things that are going to help win games, uh, in, like starting Jeremy Sohan at point guard and not playing Trey Jones there and uh, just doing all kinds of funky things. And Devin Vassell is going to be out this game. And then it's just like a – I don't know. I, I guess the Spurs are banking on a history of the winning culture, even though they haven't won much uh, in a long time, and to, to sort of this is the way to usher in the season and then also – get another get a running mate for Wenbenyama um in the lottery this year but they have been uh, other than Wemby who's been really fun to watch they have been an absolutely god awful um team to watch mm-hmm. on league pass that just doesn't make sense they're not even trying to do certain things uh to execute on either end and while i'm saying all that my guess is that they'll look more like a reasonable basketball team against the lakers mm-hmm. Uh, which tends to happen and not just because it's the Lakers and, and although that's a, a decent part of it, but because the players are going to see LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis and when Benyama is going to be pretty excited about that two other number one picks. Hey, what did they do in their rookie years? How, and I think that the rest of the team will get some energy from that. So I don't think this is a walk-in game, uh, especially on a back-to-back mm-hmm. and a team with a ridiculous losing streak. Um, and so I think the Lakers are going to have to actually have to play uh, with some appropriate fear uh, in this contest. Or San Antonio could get their first win uh, in essentially two months. I totally agree with you. And I think that's uh, – um 
I think what's added to that is that it's a back-to-back for them at home. So even if we do get that first win, it's always a little harder to beat the same team a couple nights later. So whether it's this game or the other one, I wouldn't be surprised at all if at least one of these is is a close one. Um, on the topic of health, I just wanted to give a shout out to AD real quick in that um, he's playing through and he does this and has been doing this. Like you said, Mike, the stars have been playing and they've been suiting up. They both just uh, missed one game and... I think that collectively as Laker fans, we we think this is a pretty good Lakers team. We may disagree on to what degree, but I think that there's pretty good sentiment about what this Lakers team is, but it's really highlighted D by every time AD lands and winces a little bit and you know, you're watching and going, oh yeah, he's not moving well at all. And he's been playing through that. And it's one thing to do that if you're like, a spot-up shooter or even a, a perimeter player, but with all of the responsibilities that he has. I, I used to talk about how when I would chop footage for the, the older LFR videos, um, how how many minutes a player's full game tape would add up to if you just caught if you just chopped up the plays that they were relevant in. And for most good players in a good game, it's like four or five minutes. And for him, it was like eight or nine because he does so many things on the court that I just really appreciate the degree that him and LeBron ha- and and him with fighting through, you know, some some nagging injury is pro- have provided a foundation for this team to find out what it is and to build off of. And so just yeah. just shout out to AD for playing through. And like he was a monster, right? He came back. He came. He left late second quarter. I was like, are, what are we going to get in the third quarter? Is he going to play at all? And he was really good in that second half. And and so just I I appreciate what he's doing for us. Just real quick, did you guys see my tweet about? where AD ranks in total minutes played this season amongst all players. I did. Not. I did, I did okay, but so, go ahead. So please share it here, Mike. I'm not going to quiz you. Um, I always think that's sometimes that's annoying when I listen to podcasts and people are trying to like quiz their own uh, mates. Uh, he So he's eighth right now amongst all players. And if you included the in-season tournament final, which of course doesn't count for this, um, then he bumps up to essentially number three uh, behind wow. only Vucevic and Kobe White um, because the Bulls have played 25 games and, you know, the Lakers have played 24 so far. So if you, you know, if he, if you add that one extra game, he would be up there and then four and let's see number. Yeah. Number four is DeRozan. So the Bulls have had this run of health with those three players. Um, other than that, it's just, it's Max Strews, KCP, Shaden Sharp and Jason Tatum. And that does deserve a special shout out uh, for the way that AD has is just talked about generally and the fact that he's been playing through some stuff. And because of what Pete just mentioned and how much he does uh, this, uh, I guess this is the one part of every pod, Darius, that I've had this season of saying something about Anthony Davis, uh, but it's deserved. I'm going to talk about Anthony Davis as much as I can. He's a super important player not only to the Lakers, but he's one of the best players in the league. And he's one of the only best players in the league where he's evaluated through a deficit model. It's always about the thing that he's not doing or the thing he could be doing better or the thing that he could be doing more of. Even when he's great. Why isn't he? Why doesn't he he, do that more often? Yeah. And a lot of it is why isn't he? Mm -hmm. And instead of, wow, look at that. He's awesome. And he is. 
the foundation that he and LeBron have established, it's very reminiscent to me of the championship team. And I don't know if this team is going to win a championship. I think they're certainly in the mix of like a handful to a half dozen of teams that are capable of winning the championship this year. But in the title season, AD set the tone defensively and he held his teammates accountable and the defensive players on that team, and there were plenty, and they were good, followed that lead that he set and had their own personal pride in playing defense as well. Including so LeBron. I, wanna, I feel like, like LeBron kind of followed AD defensively, at least that year as well. AD called him out before the mm-hmm. season. He said, I expect and I want LeBron to make an all-defense team. I want to be defensive player of the year, and I want this dude to make an all-defense team. And that was important to me. That was leadership, I thought that Anthony Davis was was showing. And LeBron in year 21 is not only defying the odds, but he's inspiring his teammates by his everyday play. And his teammates are in awe of him. And he is at the level now where they, you can tell they do not want to let him down and they are appreciative of what he's giving them every single night. And that is an inspiring thing for a team. And when those two guys connect together, then they sort of are the base of Voltron, right? It's like, okay, like we've got two of the lions here and we need the other three to come with us. And the Lakers have been getting that more and more each night. And and I've loved to see how that has permeated throughout the team. And it's the leadership from those two guys. And it's super important. And I don't think AD has talked enough about as like a leader or Mm -hmm. an example setter, Mm -hmm. or why what he does or how he plays is important. And so, yeah, Mike, we're going to bring it up every pod because guess what? We're the ones who watch it every single day. And I don't necessarily expect a national pod to be like, yay, look at Anthony Davis and understand the nuance of it on a day-to-day basis. But you're on the sideline, Mike. You can listen to huddles. You're on the plane. You see the culture. And and the leadership point I, I really like because that's the reason why I brought it up is with him, it's a lot of it is by example. And it even in the post game, he's talking, he was really lamenting his free throw shooting. He's like, that, you know, that doesn't sit well with me. And if I were making a list of the things that went wrong about last night's game, uh, you know, uh, yeah, of course you want to make your free throws, but just Anthony Davis in general was so low on it, but he holds himself to a certain level of of expectation there. And the season feels so fragile, though, every time I watch him wins. Yeah. And that's the point that I was trying to make earlier, too, is that we feel like this is a good team, D, but it's something that that could go away at any moment. Right. And so but when he does play like that, like you were talking about, D, it even when we lose games, it provides a certain amount of, OK, LeBron and AD were great. And we lost this game. It provides a level of like, okay, what are what went wrong? What are things that we need around it? Whereas if you don't have that foundationally, it's hard to evaluate the rest of the team. So in the spirit of this being like an evaluate evaluatory type of period of the season, I think that that foundation that they set is giving us so many answers on what this team is. Can I ask you guys a quick question before we wrap up and get back to the Spurs? We framed their season a certain way, and you both talked about the potential for them to be sharper and crisper and just better tonight. But they're an interesting matchup in general. When Mignogna plays a lot of four, and they play Zach Collins Mm -hmm. next to him as a traditional five, um, they're a big team in general. You talked about um, Sohan starting at point guard. And just how do you see the matchups playing out tonight? Like, 
LeBron would be on Wembenyama if everyone is guarding their position. I don't expect that to happen, but it's an interesting thing. And it's the young phenom against two of the older, quote unquote, phenoms like in the league and um, a matchup of great potential bigs. I'm just wondering how you see that piece of things playing out like LeBron and AD against the young prodigy. Yeah, the number one picks again. I, the thing that I've noticed about the Spurs in popping around League Pass, and I've just been doing some reading on them on the plane last night, they're playing Wenbanyama more at center lately. They were playing him almost exclusively at the four next to Collins, and Collins was starting, and now they're experimenting with groups where Collins is coming off the bench. And so Wemby's like the he impacts the game in some ways like ad does uh, just because of the length and people not even going into the zones that he's in uh, and he can recover even if he's out of position by just turning around and putting his arm out but uh, so defending there's a number of defending shots at the rim from when uh, from Wembenyama in october 3.5 attempts uh, against him and opponents were shooting 50% in november it was 4.5 right around the same number, like 49%. And then in December, 11.3 uh, field goal attempts against uh, defending shots at the rim mm. and opponents shooting 56%. So I don't know that it, maybe that's tiring him a little bit uh, by having to do it more and to have to to play the minutes low that he's playing and to have teams attacking more directly when the Spurs aren't as big around him. So that that's something I think that while like while Wembenyama uh, – in theory, discourages a lot. I think that the Lakers can use that in a different way where AD and LeBron attacking, and specifically LeBron in some ways, LeBron's going to immediately kind of find out a way to get his body into Victor um, and to and to just you know show him a different way, you know, that he probably hasn't seen so much. And that to me is what Pete was saying between the first game and the second game. Um, when Benyama, more than any other player, may have some adjustments to be made there. And I think that on a night like this, that's, that's the first answer to me is that don't just see that territory. Um, go ahead and attack and, you know, make him uh, get into those actions. And, and see what he can do there. Amen to that. And I think he's a great test of Anthony Davis on the offensive end in particular. Um, if he is playing that five spot, one of the things that's emerged that's been a real positive for the Lakers recently has been AD as more and more of a hub of, of the offense, getting more shot attempts, getting a lot of post touches. And but one of the but I think one of the next stages is how does that look against guys who are really good rim protectors? So he's been so devastating around the rim, D, that that it's it's that's that's comprised the vast majority of the points that he's scoring and the opportunities that he's getting, as it should. But I was like a kid in a candy store at the end of that third quarter yesterday, where by the dictate of the the clock, the first jumper that he took at the top of the key was a classic two for one, got it up with 32 seconds left, drilled it. And then the second one was, if you don't take this shot, then it's good. And, but the fact that he popped out beyond the three point line in the first place, right? Yeah. And so he it, was hunting that pick and pop. He was. He really did hunt that. It's the yes. open shot and it just needs to be part of the diet. And so it's one thing to to kick ass around the basket against Indiana, against even Dallas. And I really like Lively, but he's really their only guy that has a presence around there. And he's a rookie, right? Um, it's one thing to do that against those type of guys. I'm super curious about, will AD still be that offensive hub or when it's when he's matched up against Wembenyama? Will he be able to do that against Rudy Gobert, against those rim-protecting teams or teams that have like two guys down there that can really cover that territory? Can he still put up those – 
big, you know, shot performances, shot attempt and points. And so that is one of the big things that uh, I think is uh, I'm curious to see, Mike. One other Wemby note is I, I figured Pete, you would get in a mention of the jump shots um, from AD, and there are gonna there are gonna be some of those that are there uh, with Wembenyama. Well, Wembenyama can't shoot at all uh, right now. Mm. That's the other thing that where he's really struggling. So restricted area, he's seventy four percent, and outside he's thirty percent. Mm-hmm. So two's not falling, three nothing's falling, and so that's it's kind of a. Like AD can hit that shot right now, even though he hasn't, and Wembenyama can't. So, like, are are either one of them going to essentially settle, or can you make? You know, I, I just want to throw that in there, Darius. That that's that's the, the part of his game that's not yet come around. That will certainly eventually. Well, it's both of them with the same profile. Wemby came in as like this touted three level scorer potentially, and the jumper just hasn't been there as consistently as one would like. But one would hope it's coming for him just as sort of the next generational superstar. Mm -hmm. AD came in as this all-court player and the jumper was there and it hasn't been the last couple of years. I've been encouraged by his shot diet the last several Mm -hmm. games. He's been shooting the fadeaway more. He's been posting up. It's not been as much face-up jumper stuff, but he did hit a couple last game. But in general... He's been playing in short role and shooting that little floater a little bit mm-hmm. more. There's just been more variety yeah. to his game rather than back down, back down, jump hook or pick and roll or dunks inside off of offensive rebounds. And that diet yeah. needs to be there, Pete. And that's what's so devastating about him when he's at his best is that he can literally do everything on a basketball court. And so when those things start getting taken off of the table, you lose a little bit about what's great about him. So super curious to see if we see a, just a couple more. I'm not looking for too many, Mike, just to give me three, four jump shots tonight, maybe, and I'll, I'll be happy. So we will be back uh, tomorrow to talk about how it went. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the score. move. Two, one, miss it! It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.